Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news relating to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Mortgage Banking Solutions, enabling executives to take their business to the next level. To participate in today's program, our guest call-in line is 646-716-4972. And now, here is your host of Lickin' on Lending, David Lickin'. So good to have you with us, everybody. It is Monday, November 23rd. Happy Thanksgiving to you all. I'm sure you're all getting ready. The birds are purchased or getting close to being purchased. And uh, we're excited to be having you a part of this broadcast. This is a broadcast, again, created by mortgage professionals for mortgage professionals. (laughs) As some of you know from some of our broadcasts, we are not broadcast professionals. That is rather evident. But we're here and gathered together, again, to really provide information of what's going on in the industry that's relevant and hot. And uh, we're really excited to have you here. Uh, Very excited also to have been awarded the Progress in Lending Innovation Award. So thank you to the folks out at Progress in Lending. We've got in the hot topic segment the profit doctor, also known as Annie L. Andy, Andy, excuse me, Andy Shell. Andy Shell, the profit doctor, is with us. He'll be providing us, excuse me, an update from the recent MBA accounting and finance seminar or a, a conference that took place in, in New Orleans last week. Very important stuff, especially about governance. I'm really interested in what Andy has to say about governance. I sipped on a cup of coffee just before starting the broadcast, and we're struggling with getting that one all the way down here still. Anyway, I want to start off by saying thank you to our sponsors. A very special thank you goes out to United Guarantee. They want to wish every one of our listeners a very happy Thanksgiving, and they want to make sure that they are telling you how grateful they are for your business and in making them number one. Uh, they are celebrating the the just being the number one entity out there, the MI company out there in the space, and they've just done a great, great job. And they're really wanting to tell you uh, that they want you to enjoy your time with your loved ones and friends. Uh, They also say be sure to be careful and allow extra time when traveling. You know, we get so hurried around the holidays, and it's so easy, and it's a great reminder. United Guarantee will be closed on early on Wednesday, November 25th. Uh, They're closing early at 1 p.m. on Wednesday, the day before Thanksgiving. And they'll be closed, of course, on Thursday as well as on Friday. So wish everyone at United Guarantee a happy Thanksgiving as well. We are grateful. One of the things we're grateful for, Thanksgiving, is we're thankful that you're a sponsor. And good to have you with us. Check out their website, UGCorp.com. Get a hold of one of your local UG reps if you haven't already. Get a relationship with these guys. They do a great job. Also, say thank you to Velma.com, the electronic marketing assistant, virtual electronic marketing assistant. You know, everything's going virtual these days, and they do a virtually great job of covering virtually every aspect of marketing, and they can do a set-it-and-forget-it campaign, or they can get in and create really very creative custom campaigns and do so on the fly and help you get your message out to your audience. They do that here for us on the broadcast. We're very grateful for it. Check it out at Velma.com, V-E-L-M-A.com. Also, our new sponsor is Motivity Solutions, the lead, the business, the leading business intelligence technology company, providing real-time reporting as well as dashboards and scoreboards for all mortgage bankers. Very excited about their relationship. I got a chance to speak at their uh, conference, 
And if you have not gone out and checked out their solutions, I mean, how can you manage a business in today's environment and not have real-time information? It's available to you. And to learn more about it, check it out at motivitysolutions.com or call them at 303-721-9000. Of course, we always thank Alice, Joe, and Andy Shell for being a part of the broadcast on a regular basis, and we'll talk about their companies in just a minute. Let's talk about the upcoming MBA conferences. Very excited about what we have and out there, and we have a big one coming up. In fact, it's so important that I've invited Pete Mills to join us on the broadcast uh, here to give us a little bit of update on the MBA's Independent Mortgage Banking Conference that's coming up in, Nash- in Nashville at the Omni. Pete, good to have you with us. You've been a guest with us many times in the past, so many people know who you are on the broadcast, but you head up everything that's related to the independent mortgage bankers there at the MBA. Am I correct? Correct, David. Um, I uh, run a policy group here of about a dozen very smart folks, uh, and uh, a lot of our efforts um, are are industry-wide, but we also um, address and work with our members in segments, and the independent mortgage bankers segment is a growing and uh, critically important segment for, for us uh, here, and that's one of the reasons we created um, the Independent Mortgage Bankers Conference uh, four years ago. I think it's, it's a huge uh, contribution and great content that really designed specifically for independent mortgage bankers. But you talk about the growth. You mentioned that just a moment ago. Give the listeners a little bit of idea. When you started this uh, four years ago, how many people attended and how many are already registered for the one that's coming up December 2nd through the 4th in Nashville? Yeah, so we created this four years ago, um, and again, to recognize sort of the growing role of independent mortgage bankers in the market. I think if you looked at today's data, you'd find that IMBs are now close to about 50% of the purchase market in terms of their market share. Um, It was not nearly that high in in 2012 when we had the first conference in, in Dallas, and we had about 200 attendees. Um, And this year, we're looking at uh, more than 600 registered already um, and could get close to the 700 number by by the time the conference starts. Well, we hopefully are broadcasting the promotion of it and encouraging people to attend it. Give us an idea of some of the content that's in this specific conference. Absolutely. So, we, you know, obviously we talk to our members quite a bit and try to program this to deal with the issues that they care about most. So we've got um, both you know, sort of business issues as well as the policy and regulatory issues um, that our independent mortgage bank members have told us are the, are the pressing issues for them. So uh, if you look at the, at the schedule, um, uh, one of the issues we talk about at uh, numerous meetings, and we have a session particularly on this issue of workforce diversity, uh, we've got this aging uh, workforce in our industry, and uh, uh, I think we are, we are, we are among those. <laughs> exactly. We are a part of that aging demographic. So we have a workforce diversity session that talks about uh, not only ways to bring in younger millennials uh, to sort of freshen up uh, the workforce, but also attracting minority and bilingual staff uh, to address uh, some of the historically underserved markets and uh, obviously the, the, the growing immigrant demographic. If you uh, listen to the demographers, the first and second generation families um, are a major growth market for home ownership. Uh, and then the third piece of this session, we'll talk about uh, providing employment opportunities for our returning vets. And we'll have independent okay. mortgage bankers uh, talking about what they've done in each of these spaces. Um, we've got sessions 
uh, on the GSEs. Um, Zach Oppenheimer and Chris Boyle from Fannie and Freddie, respectively, will talk about what they're doing to uh, address the needs of the independent mortgage bankers. Uh, Ted Tozer and Ed Golding from, F, uh, from Ginnie Mae and FHA uh, will talk about some of the policy challenges, challenges they're facing. We've got an M&A panel. We've got a panel on uh, uh, managing your MSR asset. As you know, uh, a large number of independent mortgage bankers have recently gotten into the servicing space, um, yeah. and it is now probably their largest asset. So uh, there will be a session on and sort of maximizing uh, the value out of your MSR assets. So those are sort of the, some of the business topics that we've got, and we're obviously going to cover some regulatory issues, fair lending, uh, marketing services agreements, and then I think we're going to close out uh, wow. Friday morning with a regulatory super session. There will be about uh, a dozen industry lawyers uh, on a panel to answer questions on everything from TRID to MSAs, Humda, LO Comp, uh, whatever's on the minds of the folks in the room. Exciting. Great content. Excellent conference. I encourage people to go there. It's at the Omni Hotel in Nashville, Tennessee. And then also we've got a couple other conferences that the NBA is pushing. If you want to mention those, Pete, we've got the M&A as well as the Loan Trader. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So um, we've got an M&A conference, which we'll do. A, a, you know, We have a session at the IMB on that, but there will be a much deeper dive um, in Phoenix on the 21st of uh, January. A uh, full-day program, uh, buyers, sellers, uh, as well as deal advisors, um, all talking through um, the elements of putting together a successful uh, M&A deal that works for both the buyer and the seller. Um, industry counsel will be there advising on some of the things that they see as the critical issues in the M&A space. Um, and then on the 28th of January in Fort Worth, we've got our whole loan trading workshop. Um, this is a, a, a growing area of uh, sort of new opportunities in sort of the non-agency uh, the non-agency mm. space. Um, Very interesting. Uh, yeah, so you have REITs, you'll have other whole loan buyers uh, uh, there, and uh, again, sort of new opportunities outside of the Fannie, Freddie, FHA, uh, Govey space. Lots of information. You can check it out all, folks, at the mba.org conferences and educations website, and so check it out. Pete, thanks so much for taking the time and giving us a little extra color on the upcoming conference. I'll be there. I'm looking forward to seeing you there. In fact, Great. interviewing you for a future radio program as well as a number of others there. So appreciate you taking time out of your busy day to tell us all about it, my friend. Appreciate it. Thank you, David, and hope to see folks there. Oh, you bet. Talk to you soon. Have a great one. Great rest of the weekend. Happy Thanksgiving, Pete. Thanks. All right, let's get over to Joe Farr looking at the markets, Joe. And, you know, this is a lot of data coming out this week on that. But let's uh, really so get a little up there. Yeah, we're just well, not, not much movement today, but, you know. No, we've been stuck in between, uh, you know, where we ended the day Friday and down a couple 30 seconds. Uh, um, been bouncing between the two. Uh, the only data that came out this morning was existing home sales, and it was a little weaker than expected, uh, dropped from last month some. But uh, you know the realtors are are, are uh, again blaming it on uh, lack of inventory. Uh, I don't remember just quite how far the inventory fell, but it fell to one of the lowest levels it's been in a, in a while. So um, you know we'll hope to see that bounce back. And then uh, yeah. the other thing that happened this morning was a little bit un unusual in that the Fed, which has a, a, a meeting every other week or so, this is not the Federal Open Market Committee, but the Federal Board of Governors, uh, to consider discount rate and liquidity reserves and things like that. Uh, 
announced that this meeting was going to be a closed meeting. And uh oh, you know, it caused really? the world to start wondering, yeah, what what's that all about? And you know, I, I haven't heard what came out of the meeting. They still may be meeting, I don't know, but uh you know, chances are very slim that anything new regarding monetary policy is gonna come as a result of this meeting and that uh, you know, that's obviously gonna be reserved for the FOMC. But uh Yeah. Exactly. Uh so it, fairly quiet morning so far. The uh, uh, last week we had a, a a week where interest rates fell just a little bit, not a lot. Uh, most of the favorable reaction in in the market came on Thursday, following the minutes, the release of the minutes from the ECB meeting, not the Fed meeting. The ECB meeting described uh, an environment wherein uh, the market began to believe that the chance of more QE was growing, and uh, that's a good thing for bonds. It's a good thing for MBS uh, mortgage-backed securities, and so it's a good thing for mortgage rates. And We'll see if at the December 3rd meeting uh, the ECB does move toward some announcement of additional quantitative easing. Uh, the minutes of the Fed came out last week, and because yeah. there were no surprises in it, and because there had been many Fed speakers throughout the week, uh, it had no effect on MBS prices, no effect on mortgage rates. Uh, uh, still, just uh, wait and see. Let the let the data dictate. And about the only the only two really big reports left, and that's going to be next Friday's jobs report and. Uh, uh, not this coming Friday, but the first Friday in December's job yes. report, and we've got one more retail sales number to come out. Uh, the other day that came out last week was pretty much, you know, in line or or no big misses anyway. Uh, Empire State Index fell a little bit short. Philly Fed beat. Industrial production was a little short of uh, what was expected. Corp CPI came in. Uh, as expected, uh, at at 1.9 percent, and we'll see this week what core PCE looks like, and that's that measure of inflation's been running a whole lot lower than the PCI measure, uh, uh, CPI measure. Uh, in the housing data, we saw a pretty disappointing housing starts number, but uh, when you broke it down, it's pretty much all on the multifamily side. So, as it relates to uh, you know single family. Housing starts, they fell just slightly. Still, just slightly. Oops, did we did we lose you, Joe? Looks like we may have. Well, Joe Farr may have dropped off there, folks. I apologize. I heard some clipping in his mic again. The way all of this works is just nothing less than amazing when you have the technology as you do. Uh, we're doing voice over IP, everything into a voice over IP switchboard, so it's amazing. This is all miraculous. But, Joe, I'm sure will be rejoining us here shortly with a latest update. Uh, but bottom line is I'm looking at the screens, and what we have coming out you know, for the for the rest of this week is it, it, there's just a lot. GDP, uh, the consumer confidence number. Uh, Wednesday is packed. i got to tell you, you got to stay tuned to the MBS quote line uh, service and find out all that's happening good to have you with us, everybody. Uh, there, it looks like Joe came back there. Let's let him finish it up. Yep, I see you just rejoined us. You were clipping a little bit there, my friend, so I'm uh, sorry to have lost you, but I finished it up. And No problem. Parting uh, you did a great job. <laughs> good. I appreciate it, Fred. I think we're good, folks. Uh, Joe will be, of course, part of the dis- hot topic discussion, and so we'll be right back after this quick, brief break. 
Economic uncertainty has created a tremendous amount of market volatility for the past few weeks. Intraday price changes seem the rule rather than the exception. Have you been surprised by a midday price change? Have you been frustrated as you locked the loan just ahead of a price movement? Found it difficult to explain to a customer why the rate you quoted is no longer available? MBS Quoline can eliminate these frustrations. MBS Quoline monitors Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, and Ginny Mae mortgage-backed security prices in real time. It makes the information conveniently available on your desktop, smartphone, or by email or text message. These are the same prices used to set mortgage rates each morning and to issue midday price changes when significant movement occurs. With MBS Quoteline, you'll never be out of touch with the market, whether you're in the office or on the road. See for yourself what MBS Quoteline can do for you. Go to mbsquoteline.com to start a risk-free two-week trial. mbsquoteline.com. 646-716-4972. The Lickin' on Lending Show is back. Here is your host, David Lickin'. Good to have you with us, everybody. Uh, Paul Paulo sends his greetings to everybody, and unfortunately he is not going to be able to join us today. Uh, at least I'm looking up and down the switchboard. I think this is the one of the days he said he was not available. But I've got their website up here. Check out their website. Excellent information. It's www. IMFnews.com. There again, that old habit of speaking the W spoke up. Anyways, IMFnews.com. Check it out. There's evidence, and uh, one of the things he's on the headlines today, there's uh, evidence points to a slight expansion of GSE credit box. So there's some insights that John Bancroft is reporting about there and writing about. Is there some evidence? We might see a slightly bigger credit box. That's interesting. Check that out. Also, TD Bank. Uh, looks nearly uh, looks to nearly double its LO staff. Focuses on growth in the Northeast. That's an important story. Uh, there is that's one that's unusual. Just the fact that there's a bank growing in in some of the space. A lot of people are contracting. At least the bigger banks are. Eventually, also it says uh, ev- eventually Loan Depot will go public. Uh, as uh, for the CFO, um, the resignation, he wrote some information about that, some things that Paul picked up on things I said. I, uh, so Paul covers a lot of these details. Don't miss, Be careful what you say around Paul. He will pick up on every little detail. He called me right after the broadcast and says, what did, you, what did you mean by the CFO resignation? So anyway, uh, I think I was reading some stories about this uh, last night, the, the Loan Depot IPO. Uh, very good chance that that will still yet happen, uh, but maybe next year. Not sure when, but anyway, don't count that one out. Um, then also, there's an article, Mixed re- uh, Views Abound on the GSE Loan Limit. So there's some controversy about that. Check out that article. And then, of course, Aquin, there's an article about restarts and um, their stalled buyback, share buyback program. So some interesting information there Paul talks about. But lots of information on Paul's website. Check it out at inside mortgage finance or go to imf.news imfnews.com there we go imfnews.com paul and to everyone there happy thanksgiving he wishes the same out to all of our listeners alice alvey good to have you here with us each and every week giving us update on everything regulatory how is uh it's got to be i heard you had the weather go through up there and you got a dump on snow did you get dumped on we did you know we did not have any snow yet this year literally none and our first snowfall was a foot <laughs> so it's a wow i don't know if that's a good sign or not yeah but yes it's very pretty outside right now and it's snowing again so <laughs> it's, what amazes anyway. me is how absolutely fast they can clean out a stadium before a before a football game when there's a foot of snow and how quickly they can get snow removal done inside of a stadium it's just really crazy up there so growing yeah, up in minnesota i just gonna... appreciate those things 
Well, good. Well, you know, so um, for my report today, I guess I'm going to just jump in and let everybody know. I mean, we did see that the House voted on the 18th to change the definition of QM, which essentially would be that, you know, the ABA is trying to get this expansion that would say if I'm holding the loan in portfolio, essentially, then I would have a safe harbor. Well, I haven't read anywhere yet where somebody thinks this is actually going to get signed by the president. I mean, we'll keep watching it, but I think there's a lot of complexity involved in trying to get something like that through um, you know, everybody, I don't think people have forgotten yet um, about the meltdown. So at least right now it's taken one step further, but it's still got a long way to go. So we'll keep watching that for you. Uh, the trade update in general is, you know, again, varies by company. A lot of places are not closing loans in 30 days, but feeling like they're able to close them in a, at least a reasonable expected period of time, a little bit longer that uh, I think um, Ellie May was talking about that it's uh, consistent with maybe like an average of about 46 days right now. But we'll we'll watch that, and, of course, that can vary by company. We're hearing success stories and problem stories. Um, really does vary by company and the level of training that folks did ahead of time. So we'll leave that as a side note. Um, oh, interesting. Predictable factor yeah. was training, huh? That's interesting. <laughs> Not surprising. Well, yeah. You know, I Preparation. Think I was on a show before. Right. What did I get? Do you actually read the user guide that the LOS provider gave you and not think you're just <laughs> going to pick it up and start keying things in? I think people have a, I don't have time for that, I'll figure it out kind of attitude about the system and they got a little bit caught. I will tell you some companies who put some protections in place um, have a lot of, uh, had a lot of success. Um, one example is a company that said, these are the five companies I'm dealing with, that's it, title companies, that's it, nobody else. Now, they're small enough to be able to do that. Obviously, a national player can't. And they found that made a world of difference in um, being able to work closely with a set list of title companies. So anyway, whatever, you know, different solutions for different size companies and we're watching all that unfold still. Now with the Fair yes. Housing Act, um, you, yes, so on the Fair Housing Act, we did come up with, just a reminder for folks, right, this was a while ago where FHA came out with, and of course you, that means you should apply it to all your lending. If someone's receiving any type of disability pay, you can't ask them to prove if it's going to continue for three years. So you've just got to, you know, um, you're not going to be able to go to tell people they have to get a letter from their doctor that says you're going to be, and yes, I'm going to be disabled for three years. It's just, it's off the table, so you've just got to be very careful with that from an underwriting standpoint. Um, it's an easy habit for underwriters to ask for, and uh, there was a recent case where HUD settled with a lender because the lender was requiring proof for that. So make sure you don't go that far with your underwriting. A little heads up for those of you who are looking for shortcuts on Safe Act compliance. New Day Financial got hit with a $1 million fine. Now, they had been already hit in the past by the CFPB, but now they're also banned from doing business in New York. That's the recent escalation of uh, their compliance officer filling in tests for people and and people cheating on the uh, uh, NMLS process. Now, of course, that's just the summary in the news. You know, they may have their side of the story, but uh, nonetheless, uh, the it, you know, people have to take their own test and they have to take their own training. What a concept. Um, <laughs> and then, <laughs> no last but not, <laughs> um, then, uh, last but not least, um, wanting to make sure that, uh, let's see, what was my last note here? Uh, oh, prospect mortgage fine for charging improperly disclosed and unsupported fees paid to companies' affiliates. Um, this was back in 2010, 2012 when the fees were charged. 
So, um, you know, old loans are still getting looked at. Maybe that's the message here that everybody wants to make sure. You know, if you've ever thought, boy, I hope that stuff that's older isn't going to get looked at, I uh, think, again, it's still open for review by any of the regulators. So, yeah. anyway. Going um, back way like, beyond um, the statute. No- yep. Yeah, and going way beyond the statute of limitations, we have some lookbacks going on at Freddie Mac that's gone back over ten years, and so uh, yep. it's really interesting. Just the the, the lookback period is uh, pretty extended, extended much yeah. more beyond the what some have thought is the statute of limitations on some of the stuff. It seems like if you make a government loan or anything related to that, which is again ninety five ninety seven percent of all lending activity, the lookback period is uh, seems to be somewhat indefinite. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, especially from a compliance standpoint. So that's what I have for today, and happy Thanksgiving to everyone. And I'm looking forward to picking Andy's brain on the conference. He's always got great stuff to talk about. Well, he's got a big brain to pick, so it may take us the whole hour to get that get that all picked up. So anyway, lots of good stuff. Good, good, Dallas. Excellent. Happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. Appreciate you being here as you are each and every week, giving our listeners and all of us an important update on what's going on. I really appreciate your attitude about the New Day situation. It's important to Ray when we get these fines, we assume, you know, that everyone's just guilty. Uh, sometimes you just get it's the easier way out is just, to, okay, what do I have to pay to get this nightmare away from us? And uh, so New Day uh, is a well-run company. So um, anyway, I like the way you said that. Good job. Thank you so much. Folks, we're going to be right back after this brief break. If you have questions about mortgage regulations, Indicom Mortgage U has free answers. If you need ideas about how to reinvent your organization, Indicom Mortgage U will share great ideas. When you need help at any step of the loan process, give us a call or send an email. The Indicom team of experts have been helping mortgage players from origination through servicing for over 30 years. Your success is our focus. Whether it's a quick question or long-term support, portfolio, conventional, or government lending, it's a competitive market. So let Indicom Mortgage U give you the edge. Yeah, good ad. I love that one. It's a good job. Yep. Get get the edge. Get Alice. That'll put you right right smock dub. It's interesting that Alice talked about, you know, how training talked about preparedness. They, those are prepared ahead. Surprise, surprise. You know what I mean? A little preparation works. Another way you can prepare is by reading really, really important news blogs and uh in, in websites. And Sam Garcia who is on the phone here with us, has got a great website, MortgageDaily.com. Sam Garcia, good to have you here, and happy Thanksgiving, my friend. Hey, David, how you doing? Good, really good, bud. So what you got for us today? Looking at some of your headlines, I'm in your website. Again, nice-looking website. I like the way you do it and all the data. The data is still one of your greatest strengths, though, but you've got some awesome news items here, so run through them for us, for, please. Yeah, I was listening to Alice there, and I had to knock three of my uh, headlines off here because she covered them, so she did a good job. (laughs) Our our mortgage market index, which is a reflection of uh, per-user rate locks by clients of open close, it was up 19% last week from the previous week, and of course that previous week included Veterans Day, and we don't have any seasonal adjustments, so a lot of that was just the fact that we had more days in the week. Uh, Rate locks for jumbo mortgages, though, skyrocketed 71%. A lot of activity there. And uh, rates on jumbo mortgages were a whopping 19 basis points less than on conforming mm. rates. So we got a wow. big uh, negative spread going there. That's been going on for a while, actually. Um, 
Ellie Mae put out its origination insight last report last week, and they reported that the average FICO score for October was 722 for all loans. Um, and while that was down a point from September, it was the lowest score that LE recorded since it started putting out this information in August 2011. So you could see that as we see, you know, see some decline in refinance activity, uh, there's a little bit more risk taking going on out there. Always a good yeah. sign. Uh, FHA put out some data that we took a look at and added up some figures, and we came up with uh, for all of uh, uh, fiscal year 2015, of course, which ended at the end of September, uh, FHA endorsed $228 billion. It's a whole lot more than what they did the prior year, $148 billion. Big jump there. And uh, on the other side of that, uh, delinquency, single-family delinquency of at least 30 days, uh, including foreclosures and bankruptcies, was 12.13% at the end of this fiscal year versus um, 13.28% at the end of the prior year. So they're making some improvement on the delinquency rate, Uh, though I'm sure that uh, new originations help to bring down that rate just because they haven't had time to go delinquent, you know, when they're that new. Um, On overall loans, uh, you know, FHA, conventional and so forth, mortgage loans, Black Knight reported that non-current uh, the non-current mortgage rate was down 13 basis points in October to 6.20%, and that was the first improvement in three months. Um, uh, the Mortgage Bankers Association, you know, they put out a, a, a finance or a mortgage finance uh, forecast each month. Uh, right. They just put out one last week that it shows uh, refinances during the fourth quarter of this year are expected to total 360 billion. Um, they raised that from the month earlier when they projected just $345 billion in uh, refinances for the fourth quarter of this year. So they're more optimistic. Um, and then also Fannie put out its uh, forecast last week also. Uh, they say that 2015 originations are going to total $1.711 trillion. Um, that was up from the prior month's prediction when they estimated that this year's refin- or this year's originations would come out to $1.697 trillion. And I'm talking about originations by all primary lenders. Um, and, and that improved outlook uh, on a month-over-month basis, that actually uh, followed the prior month when they raised the collective estimate for 2014, 15, and 16 by over a half a trillion dollars. So it was already looking good the, the month before, and now they're even more optimistic. Uh, about origination, so we got a, we got a lot of interest in that story. We could see that people like that news. Um, guaranteed rate, which uh, in our second our second quarter uh, mortgage origination survey ranked number as the 17th biggest lender in the country. Um, they put out a statement last week that said that uh, their closing times haven't been impacted by a uh, trade or haven't slowed down. So uh, at least one company out there uh, saying that, you know, basically overall business is still moving ahead as quickly as they had done it before. Um, and they uh, are pointing to their digital mortgage that they recently announced, a new product they have. Um, Wells Fargo disclosed uh, last week that it had 122 mortgage servicing layoffs in San Bernardino, California, Southern California market there. Um, of course, you know, with with uh, delinquency having been on the long term or on the having trended down lately, uh, they don't have as much need as many companies out there as they did when the things were a little bit more distressed. Um, and then one other thing, you, you were all talking about Loan Depot um, and that there's right. still a possibility they could do an IPO. Um, and 
you know, uh, their CEO wrote on a blog uh, this last week, you know, explaining, you know, that they don't necessarily have to have an IPO in the future. It's, it's an option. But he put in a quote that it was worth, uh, it's worth quoting here. Um, he said, uh, the surfer crowd from SoCal can compete with the Silicon Valley hoodie crowd. <laughs> that yeah, that kind of a, cracked me up. Yeah. I read that when I was website here and I saw that and I was going unbelievable that was that's quite an interesting statement it gives you some insights into the to to him and his uh, his way he communicates so I'm very excited and of course I can appreciate what he's saying there because hey I grew up surfing in Huntington Beach so um, I used to be part of that in, crowd yeah I, I I lived there for a bunch of years right in right off right off the beach and it's uh when I first moved out to California it's a great place to live but uh Anyway, uh, it's interesting that you compare the two crowds. I'm not sure that that's necessary. But anyway, Sam, thanks so much. Lots of good stuff on the website. If you have not, folks, signed up and for and receive the MBA, excuse me, MortgageDaily.com uh, website. Check it out, www.MortgageDaily.com, or get a hold of Sam Garcia. You can reach him by writing or emailing Sam Garcia at MortgageDaily.com, or give him a call at 51, excuse me, 214 I want you to move south here, evidently, 512. But anyways, real number is 214-521-1300. Thank you, Sam. Appreciate it so much. Thank, thank you. I hope you have a good Thanksgiving and the audience, too. Appreciate it. Yeah, it's a happy Thanksgiving to you, my friend. All right. Very good. Well, folks, we're going to be right back with Andy Shell giving an update on everything that happened at the MBA's accounting and finance uh, conference and do so right after this brief, right after this break. Thank you. Mortgage Banking Solutions is the preeminent management consulting firm to the residential mortgage lending industry. No other firm in the U.S. offers the menu of services or the level of expertise to the industry. If you're looking for help converting from best efforts to hedging or need help with bookkeeping to know your profit per loan, if you are interested in making the transition from broker to banker, or if you just need a roadmap for success, Mortgage Banking Solutions' primary focus is to enable executives to take their business to the next level and guide them down a path towards success and profitability. With over 300 companies, Combined years of experience in all facets of mortgage lending, the Mortgage Banking Solutions team of professionals has the expertise and know-how to help you accomplish your goals. New warehouse lines of credit, broker-to-banker transitions, transitioning to hedging, financial and accounting services, or meeting your capitalization needs. If you need help with these or any other aspects of your business, please contact a Mortgage Banking Solutions sales team to see how we can help you at 512-977-9900. It's 512-977-9900. Mortgage Banking Solutions, enabling executives to take their business to the next level. Welcome back to the broadcast, everybody. It again, happy Thanksgiving to you all. And one of the things we're grateful for is for those that participate in this podcast on a regular basis. And, of course, Andy Shell, the profit doctor, is right there in the middle of it. But also just a great friend, someone I encourage everyone to get to know. Profit doctor, good to have you here with hey. us, my friend. Thank you very much, David. Awesome to be here with you. Always fun, fun, and we appreciate you taking some time to prepare for this and give us an update from the conference. So, you know, let's start about talking about the attendance. How, who attended this? I mean, Pete talked earlier about the growth in the Independent Mortgage Bankers Conference. Was this well attended? It was. It was well attended. It was very well attended. There were, I think, over 400, almost 500 people Accountants wow. mainly there, and oh, that's got to be from... an exciting crowd. <laughs> I'm just well, you know what's interesting? Accountants. Oh, it, it, there's there's some truth in that. You know what's interesting about the accountants is that they actually go to the sessions. 
for the most part, <laughs> if, if people find that's out funny. they actually that's attend true. and take notes and pay attention and and try to learn and use it as a means of you know pursuing these these topics because you know, there's really no other place to do that. If you really want to have a forum right. to understand or ask more questions, who are you going to ask? You know, you, there's nobody in your office to ask because you're the expert. So who do you ask when yeah. you're the one that's supposed to know? There's not a ton of sanguine personalities in that group. So <laughs> it's not sanguines that are hanging around out in the halls visiting and getting caught up with everybody. But it's really true. But also you look at the weightiness of what is going on in these sessions, and the weight is really falling on the accounting and finance departments and specifically the CFO. So it's not, it's not surprising. They, they've got a really serious job there. Run us. I put up on the website when we were talking about some of the things, and then I want to get in. I want to spend a lot of time talking about governance because I think it's one of the things that's mostly missed here. But before we go there and spend the whole hot topic segment or the rest of the topic talk of the hot topic segment there, let's talk a little bit about some of the things you saw. Overall, the trends and outlook for the industry. Any any reflection on that from the conference? What's the takeaways? Yeah, it was very positive. It was it was. Um, That's encouraging. A lot of perspective on the future being being optimistic and positive in terms of growth, in terms of housing, in terms of mortgage banking, support of the lending environment. All of that was was positive. Uh, the, the the one the one negative, I guess, is the the looming impact of the CFPB on independent mortgage bankers. There were a lot of people at the conference from commercial banks. There were people at the conference oh, really? literally from literally from coast to coast. There were people there from Puerto Rico that I happened to to have the opportunity to talk to. And and it's literally all across the country there are people here from independent mortgage bankers and a surprising number from commercial banks, either commercial banks with mortgage lending divisions or commercial banks that are owning a mortgage company subsidiary. And when we get there, we can even see this trend in the topics that were discussed at the conference. That's really interesting. When you t- when you, I want Alice and Joe jump in on this part, or jump in anywhere along the way here. Help, let's get your perspective on things. And then, as you're preparing your question, any FASB updates? And then I want to go to Alice and then to Joe. Any FASB updates that were talked about there? Well, there there were a couple of FASB updates, but they were mainly related to the the pending international financial reporting standards that are coming. Now oh, that that's, that's right. still that a sense. future. Yeah. So that 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 will what that means is that GAAP goes away. So in 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 some of the things that GAAP requires mortgage companies to do would would be different, and that could actually be mm-hmm. a positive thing. But the international financial reporting standards merger. Uh, is, is years away still. It was originally thought it would have happened already, but with the, the crash in 2008, it was it was delayed. So that was the biggest uh, FASB update. There, there are a number of things in the Financial Accounting Standards Board relating to leases and capitalized leases, and, and pretty much all leases are going to become capitalized, which relates to on-balance sheet financing activity disclosures more than anything that's, you know, that's just really boring stuff. Hey, but yeah. Dave, can I can I digress just for a quick second? Sure. I had in my notes here. I wanted to, I wanted to give a special thank you to a few people, <clears throat> particularly yeah. uh, Marina Walsh with the MBA, uh, for her reaching out and letting me uh, speak. She she sent off the list of topics, and when I saw 
the topic that she let me address, the beyond the numbers, managing up to the CEO and board, I thought, wow, what a great topic. That's right down my sweet spot. Yeah, and so she let me expand the topic and uh, come up with uh, the content that I thought was relevant, and uh, she let me create my own panel. So uh, it was was really neat to be able to do this. And this is a little bit different of a topic for the MBA Financial and Accounting Management Conference because most of the time the topics are very uh, technical and granular. They're they're really about how do you record the journal entries for a mortgage servicing right. And this topic was really uh, the practical application of advanced finance. How do you how do you explain to the CEO what just happened and why it just happened because of some esoteric smoke and mirrors because of gap. So uh, I thought it was very insightful of Marina and the group to come up with this topic, and I was really delighted to be able to present the topic. Cool. Another quick now, thank you, you, if you'll yeah. oh, yes, go ahead. absolutely. No, go ahead. Please. Another quick thank you, if you'll yeah, indulge me just one more second here, Dave. Um, there were There's a growing number of CPA firms that are supporting uh, the conference, but I wanted to specifically mention a Spiegel Accountancy. They're out of San Francisco, Walnut Creek, uh, to Jeff, Henry, and Margaret. They are very supportive of us at the conference, along with KSJG. They're down in Southern California with Dana Joano. And then lastly, uh, ACS is a CPA firm out of New York, the Northeast, and Santo Chiarelli, uh, all very dynamic accountants, all very knowledgeable of mortgage banking. And what we're learning more and more is that mortgage banking is such a dynamic and complicated environment that just not any CPA auditor will do. You really need to get a CPA who is knowledgeable of these topics, and these three firms in particular know this space very, very well. So thanks, Dave. I appreciate you letting me say oh, my, yeah, say my thank you. No, no, no. Let's talk the mic over to Alice and Joe. Let's start with Alice. Hi, Andy. Well, this is fascinating. Hi, so I, I know we have talked in the past about the numbers. So I have, I have a question, though. I'm going to keep very simple. You know, when you say that, you know, I have to have a mortgage, a, a person, a CPA who really knows mortgages, there's a lot of companies out there that will say, well, I don't retain servicing. So do I really need, I think my guy or my gal is okay. You know, um, do I really need somebody with that high level of expertise because they're going to cost me more if I'm not retaining servicing? And I'll still say to them, yes, you do, but you have to have Andy Shell tell you why. So can you tell them why? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah, Alice. There, there's a couple of there's a couple of points to this. You know, back in the day when there was a large group of mortgage brokers, and mortgage brokers basically took an application and got a fee for it. You know, that's not much different than a lemonade stand. You you received a payment and you recorded the payment, put it in your bank account, and you're done. Mortgage banking is so much more complex than than that. I know. Dave likes to use uh, airplane analogies, so it's like going from a, a Cessna to a 777. It's just vastly different, and the complexity of mortgage banking is is much more than it's been in, in, a, in ever, I think, and partly because of the compliance requirements. And so the, the CFO's role in helping to maneuver the path, to see around the corner, to get loan-level profitability – to be able to tell the CEO, okay, we made this much money on volume in, in San Diego, but up in Orange County we lost money. And we lost money because 
We have a new policy that allows for branches to uh, make the decision about lender credits, but they didn't apply it correctly. And so having that level of detail and an understanding of the impact of, of production policies relating to lender credit flows through to the, the gain on sale and was that actually really recognized and then all the way down to low-level profitability so you can know your profit by product, your profit by branch, your profit by originator. You know, it just doesn't, it just doesn't get there without having a really competent CFO. And it's even, it's even beyond that, frankly, because the, the CFO's role is, in, includes this look around the, the corner, see things before they happen and, and prepare for those outcomes. But it's also, in addition to having a very comprehensive understanding of the issues, have the ability to effectively communicate the issues with the CEO and board, applying the CPA's critical thinking, but have the ability to persuade the CEO and the board about the actions that need to come next. So the CFO actually needs to be a, a salesperson too. They need to be able to communicate clearly and let people know, hey, we are heading for a cliff as fast as we can go, and when we get there, it's going to be fun for a little while because we're going to fly, but then we're going to hit the ground and that's going to hurt. So we've got to expect this is going to happen. Investors are slowing to purchase. Here's Great another point. quick example, and then I'll I'll, I'll 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 throw it over to Joe or whatever. But so we're talking at the conference, and people were asking me questions about uh, pricing, and I said well, you have to look at it in a holistic perspective. It's it it's more than just the price. It's repurchase risk. It's uh, purchase timing because you could have growing company, growing volume, and you could have one of your investors is going to be, beat the price by 10 basis points. But that investor's slow to purchase loans. You get another investor that's a little bit worse pricing, but they purchase really fast. Which one do you pick? How do you know? Well, the secondary marketing person picks the best price because that's get the biggest gain and they get their bonuses. But the fact that they purchase slowly means that at month end, your loans haven't been purchased. You don't have your cash back. You don't have your gain on sale cash and you can't make payroll because you tried to squeeze an extra 10 basis points as opposed to thinking about cash flows and then long-term repurchase risk and all these other things. So there's, there's more to it than just what secondary marketing thinks. And that's what the CFO does. The CFO helps bring this holistic, comprehensive uh, perspective to help make certain the company is making money long-term. That's such a good perspective, and Joe, it's one you can probably appreciate having been a CEO of a pretty major company, and uh, love to get your thoughts and perspective in in, in this discussion. Uh, certainly, systems help, and you know what Andy's <laughs> describing uh, takes a lot of work in, in in creating your system such that you can get to that granularity, but. Uh, yeah, you've got to have, uh, at least to the branch level, you've got to have them be their own cost center and know exactly how much profit those the originations from that branch are generating for the company. And uh, and so absolutely you've got to have somebody that can, can guide that and then use the information and, and uh, hopefully, as Andy said, uh, stop you before you go off that cliff. <laughs> but Andy, I wanted to ask, uh, you know, 
as you were talking to people that were experiencing issues and making those up the board or their CEOs or whoever uh, understand things, what, what what are the examples of the things they found most difficult? Great question. Well, it, you know, it, yeah, you know, yeah, great question, Joe. Um, a lot of CEOs come from the perspective that as long as there's more volume, everything's okay. It's, you know, make it up in volume even though you lose money on every loan. So there, there's just a, an ingrained kind of dirty little secret in mortgage banking that it's always all about volume, and more volume always fixes it. And both of those perspectives lead to disaster. And, and, and so it's, that's where it comes back to how to effectively communicate so we, we gave examples of using charts and graphs, uh, arrows and colors, red, green, yellow, blue, and uh, arrows. And, and we actually gave an example of some charts that we've created to help convey outcomes and graphs that we've used to help, can help people understand the, the elements that come into the decision and how the elements all line up and affect the business in different ways so that at the end of the day, the conclusion that the CFO knew from the beginning is effectively communicated to the others in the business. Because, of the, you know, the, 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 the production team doesn't want to go out of business. The CEO doesn't want to lose their company. I mean, people don't get up in the morning and go, I'm going to go be a, um, I'm going to go have a bad do have a bad day. I'm going to go do a bad job. I want to go wreck my company. You know, people fundamentally want to do well and want to contribute. Now they want to be successful themselves, but they also know that in order to be successful, we have to have this collaborative effort. And so, it's it's taking the and, and that's really the big difference. You you mentioned earlier, Dave, about you know the or Alice Alice about bookkeeper versus the CFO, and one of the yeah. most striking differences is bookkeepers sit at their desk do what they're told and post entries. CFOs analyze the, the financial arena as a whole and comes up with recommendations by applying their critical thinking and their ability to look around the corner to then effectively communicate those points up to management and the CEO using sales techniques, graphs, charts, KPIs, in order to make their point clear. So there's probably three or four degrees of separation from the bookkeeper to the CFO. And one of the things we were bringing to the CFO crowd that we were speaking to was this whole notion of a presentation style, presentation content. What does the That's CEO really and the board need to hear? And how do you present it to them in a way that they can understand? You know, communication, yeah. complicated aspects of this is really good. Go ahead, Joe. I'm sorry, I was jumping in. Yeah. Well, I, I was going to say I love that answer because that is a circumstance that every company deals with. It's not like I thought you were going to say something about you know mark to market on derivatives, kind of like what Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac just got kind of uh, affected by. Right. And, and it's and it's not. It's it's the basics of uh, you know sometimes more is not better. Well, and what happens is that CFOs try to go in and talk about mark-to-market on derivatives, the unrealized gain in the interest rate lock commitment, mark-to-market impact, and nobody understood what you just said. You know, you might as well have been speaking Greek. And so 
it's a waste of time to start there. So when you and that's what the CPAs want to do. The CPA CFOs want to start with detail. They want to start down at the bottom line. They want to start with all this 15 spreadsheets of data and say, look what I've built and look at all these details. <laughs> and, you know, it makes people's eyes roll back in their head and they stop listening to them after two minutes. So we tell them, don't do that. It's about simplification. Simplify, simplify, simplify again. If you can explain it to your spouse, then you can talk yeah. to your CEO about it. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. I mean, and, and, and simplification does not mean not getting to substantive topics. It's it's how you communicate, yeah. and you're really effective at that. And I think that's a, that's a really valuable session. It must have been excellent. Joe, did you have anything more than that? I want to move over to with the time we have to governance, but no, I want to also give a good. Um, Andy, one of the things in a previous call we were on together this morning, you mentioned how uh, it was really stellar. You did in the audience, and you had a good-sized audience, I understanding, that attended your session. And then of the people that were there, you did a polling of the the audience as it relates to governance. Could you share with our audience what you shared with me earlier in a previous conversation about that? And then let's talk about the importance of governance. And you think, well, I'm an independent mortgage banker. Governance is for the big publicly traded companies or the banks that have to deal with regulators. That's not so true. So bring our listeners up to date on that, please. Sure, absolutely. The the way that the content of the webinar was originally conceived by the MBA was to begin with the notion that when you present to your CEO and when you present to your board, these are some of the points to consider, and then I expanded upon it substantially. But I realized in going through the presentation that people may not have a board. They may not have monthly board meetings. They may not have a board at all. They may not have monthly financial reviews they do with their CEO, and I thought, you know, we need to start with the why. Why do we have this kind of presentation? And so we, we started the presentation by going through a couple of basic CFPB mandates. And one of the CFPB mandates is the requirement to have a compliance management system. So when people hear that, he, people hear a compliance management system, and they automatically think, oh, we've got to get our disclosures out on time. <laughs> And, yeah. and while that's true, this is not what I'm talking about, and that's not right. what the CFPB is talking about. CFPB, when they talk about compliance management system, they're talking about corporate governance. They're talking about broad-based oversight of the company's operation as a whole. And so what that means, what the CFPB says, this is straight from their bulletins, is they say the owner or the board of the company must, and they've listed like six things here you're supposed to do, and I don't have to list them all, but it's basically it's it's make certain that the operation is running within the legal requirements. Make sure the operation is taking care of the details well. Make certain that communication among the employees is happening effectively. And then you then have to review the operations to ensure that the responsibilities and the legal requirements you delegated are met. And then you have to take corrective action updates, tools, and systems, and materials to then ensure that the corrective action is taken. So the, the, to distill that all down, the three main points are you have to make certain that compliance and management responsibilities are identified. You have to make certain that operational results are reviewed. And if there's corrective action needed, you have to make certain that it's implemented effectively. So we, we went through this slide at the presentation, and then I said, okay, to the audience of like 300 people, I said, how many of you have 
a governance structure, a compliance management system in place today at your organization. And I was astounded because like 10 people raised their hand. I then said, out of, okay. Out of how many people are attending? Give us a sense of if we were in the room looking at 300 people in the room and 10 people held up their hand. Yes, and we had previously asked other polling questions uh, like uh, how many people here are CPAs or how many people are here from the East Coast or, you know, just to get the crowd engaged. So we previously asked yeah. other questions, and we'd had half the crowd lift their hand or, you know, so it's not like so people were So it wasn't a result of timidity at, at all. It was, no. it was I mean, this was a, this was a really um, a substantial – I mean, it was a test that's validated because you had a lot of everyone else participating in other questions. Good good point. I really want to stress that. So only 10 people out of 300 raised their hand. And then define, then you even got more defining on it, and that's really shocking. Yeah, well, then I asked, okay, for, for all of you that raised your hand, if you are uh, – part of a regulated depository, if you're a branch or a division of a FDIC or OCC bank, put your hand down. And that left only like four people with their hand up. So out of all this group of people, there were only four independent mortgage companies who said they had an active compliance management system, meaning they've got an active board that deals with the requirements of the CFPB. And, and that's just really scary to me because the CFPB yeah. is, is someday, I don't know, you know, it's like, like you talk about, um, the thing that I've always loved about you, Dave, is that you see the future, and the, when the future happens is you might be 18 months away, it might be six months away, but you always have ideas about the future. And so yeah. I, I think I have that on this point, is that this you is do. a tsunami on the horizon, this failure well, more to implement compliance management systems right well you know what yeah. i found andy is i think a lot of people think it's a system like we get that question all the time i actually just sent out an email on it and people think like you can buy that software and when you try and explain to them that this is just as more so a people process and it's multiple components that have to come together their eyes glaze over they they think well why can't I, you're thinking of project management not compliance management you have to explain the whole thing like you just did i think that people get dumbfounded that this is actions that people have to do it's not a software product <laughs> good point you know that alice that's a really good point because i i think you know we listen to you and watch you on so many of these things as it relates to compliance, but compliance does not necessarily mean just the regulatory issues that you're covering, and I know you cover a lot more than that, the full bandwidth on things, but when it comes to this aspect, it's, it's, it's and someone just sent me a message, they said, look, quit acting so surprised, you know we're trying to stay out on top of it, yes, here's the most, the reason we have this broadcast is to help you listeners that are trying to stay on top of things. And I know it's a monumental task. We're, if we act shock at any point, it's because we see how much is out there. Part of it is the shock that what's hitting our industry, what's coming on our industry, the rate in which you have to mature and grow. And one of the things that I've used as an analogy on this point, it's like moving out and preparing for life. You know, you're engaged, you're getting married, and the responsibilities, and you're moving out for the basement, you're, what your parents took care of for you, now you're respected to take on. And, and we as an industry in many ways are growing up and maturing in ways that I'm not sure that everyone has prepared to. It's not – if I'm showing shock or if I'm showing surprise, it's to not to put down the industry or where you're at, but it's to wake you up. That's what this podcast is all about, is to wake people up. And that's why it's so important that Andy tends these conferences. We bring back this feedback for you. Folks, wake up. It's not that you're, you're – you're, some may be complacently and just being dismissive. You know what? If that's the case, then, 
you know what? Don't know what to say with you. Just wish you well. Uh, hope you have another career plan because the CFPB is coming after this industry. It's coming after is they're trying to help this industry grow, and maybe their tactics aren't necessarily the best the way they're going about it. But pay attention to what Andy's saying. Governance is really important, Andy. And I think if what were the steps? What are the walkaway steps that for someone listening to this podcast would want to make? Um, what what would you say to get to to review your governance to handle that? Any walkaways other than pick up the phone and call you, obviously? <laughs> well, they start with having a governance policy, have a compliance management system policy, and there's tons of information out there. Just Google it. You can get it from the uh, financial institutions. There's all kinds of the FFIEC. There's a lot of places to get it, CFPB. Get a policy on governments and then implement it. Have Create a board. Uh, and if you're an LLC and aren't, don't really have a, a formal board of directors, form an advisory board. Get three or yeah. four people that you know that can be on there that can help. Uh, diversity is good, uh, not just among, I mean, you know, people in mortgage, people out of mortgage, people that are old, people that are young, and have a diverse board and then report to them monthly and, and have a way of tracking the results that need to be implemented. And another important side to this, too, real quick, I know we're running out of time, is, is have a CPA auditor who knows mortgage and have a CFO who knows mortgage banking. There's a vast shortage of competent, qualified CFOs. Not just any CPA will do, first off. A CPA right. is a great solution, but not it, if they don't know mortgage or are not on the path to get training to know mortgage, just because they're a CPA, that means they could audit and eliminate Stan. It doesn't mean they know anything about mortgage banking. So a good accountant that can bring to bear the responsibilities of the CFO, as I've described during this podcast and the, the four degrees of separation from the bookkeeper to the CFO, they have to have comprehensive understanding of the issues facing the industry and the analytical skills to assess it and then the communication skills to make a difference in communicating that information up. You know, my walk away, Dave, I think was there are a lot of banks there, commercial banks, more and more commercial banks there, and we saw this non-compliance with the CFPB mandate for governance. Right. So, I, you know, really the bottom line of it is the banks are ready to take over if the independent mortgage bankers don't get their act together because these FDIC banks, they've got compliance management system and governance nailed. They do it really, really well. There's a lot of things that mortgage bankers do better than banks, but not this right. stuff. And if this is going to be the litmus test, then the independent mortgage bankers are all going to become branches of depositories. So we need to be yep. aware of this stuff and pay attention. Really important. Excellent stuff. Andy, thanks so much for being a part of it. If people want to connect with you, you can. how is the best way for them to reach? You've got four seconds. Andy at mbs-team.com. Best way to do it. And if you're having trouble communicating, have Andy come in and do it for you. It's a great way to do it. Get it off your shoulders. Folks, good to have you with us. Andy, thanks so much. Again, Alice, Joe, thank you for participating. Appreciate everyone who's a part of this podcast making it possible. Have a great rest of the week and a happy Thanksgiving. Look forward to seeing you back here on Monday next week. This has been Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Lickin, of Mortgage Banking Solutions, enabling executives to take their business to the next level. Today's guests were Joe Farr from MBS Line, Andy Shell of Mortgage Banking Solutions, and Alice Elvey, President CMB of Mortgage U. Come by next week, and thank you for listening. 